Now, True Wealth, presented by Little John Financial Services. Here are David Little John and Katie Shook with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, here we be, ready to rock the True Wealth Show. It is your favorite Tuesday you've had all week, and we're happy to share it with you in studio with me today. Is Katie Shook. Woohoo! Woohoo! And by the way, this program may not reflect the opinions of Brooke Communication. But it should. But it should. But it should. <laughs> so glad we had this talk. And you know what? It may reflect the opinions of Brooke Communication. We I can wanna, neither confirm nor deny said rumors. I want to know why now in society, it's like we always feel a need to cover our butt before anything bad happens. It's like, oh, we're just going to say that just in case they say something super oh, crazy. I know why this happens. It's easy. Why? Lawyers. <laughs> Darn you. Yes. I shake my fist at you. I know. Just Lawyers. That's, that's it. It's like, well, shaking your fist is allowed in parts of the country. In others, it's probably some kind of prohibited speech now. Oh, my gosh. So here we go around the horn. Hey, by the way, I have a special announcement. Okay, ready? COVID commentary. This one's fun. COVID so, commentary? We yeah. now have a section of the show called COVID commentary. Why not? We should. First okay. 15 minutes of the show. Okay, so and it goes like this. <laughs> I thought wearing a mask would be a clever way to not have to shave. Turns, turns out, out that doesn't work, huh? It's a terrible idea. So itchy. And warm and like it's hot. <laughs> it's not good. You're like, oh my gosh. So still shaving. Now, I keep a... I, like you keep it trim. Very trim. So you I still, do have facial. You still landscape a little, right? A little, Definitely. A little landscape. Well, so here's what happens. I am like so round featured. If I don't grow facial hair, then I have no chin. Right, I'm just like, <laughs> so instead, you cut the jawline into the facial hair, and you're like, oh, I can kind of see like, it. Is that like using makeup to like make it look like you have abs even when you don't have abs? Sure. <laughs> or the bodysuit thing clever that they'll sculpting. wear. Clever, clever hair, body hair sculpting where it makes you look like you have more going on than you do. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Just just on the jawline. Everywhere else, I'm like, you know, just punt. Just it's give just up. It is. It's so like, curse you, gravity and age. Oh, <laughs> I, I had so luckily. I know I weighed myself this morning. Not no, that I'm going to share. I'm not, not going to share my weight on don't air. Don't even go there. No, no, no. I was going to say, oddly enough, like during this whole COVID thing, I've not lost a pound, but I haven't gained any either. So I'm okay. I'm like dead even, and I've realized I'm just good with it. Like I am not motivated enough like, to try to lose with self. Right. Like I'm I am okay. Like my clothes still all fit. I can still wear my normal stuff. Um I'm I'm totally good with it. But you, I do you, have you've a you've reached the point of comfortable apathy. <laughs> I think I've reached the point where I'm like, I've been married long enough. <laughs> oh wow. No. No, no, no. It's you know, as we get older, I think we do get a little bit more comfortable in our own skin and Gosh, little, one would hope and care a little bit less about what everybody else thinks man i i look back and there was a point in my teens when i actually thought other people cared what my hair looked like oh wow <laughs> that was such pain like you come back and if the haircut wasn't just right you're like they're all gonna notice and i'm like i now recognize everybody's busy noticing themselves they don't care that much no no <laughs> i'm always happy when someone's like oh you got a haircut and i'm like thanks that was three weeks ago <laughs> i know i'm going man I am just not that important. Let's just get I, it out there. I try as much as possible to be observant and to compliment people when I notice a change, usually for the positive, <laughs> um, because I want them to let you know them to know that it wasn't for nothing that people are paying attention. I have a funny COVID story from this morning. Okay, more COVID commentary. More COVID commentary. Go. 
Um, have you ever had that moment when you had soda and you burp and the burp goes like up your up your nose? Do you know what I'm talking about? That like weird. Yeah. It hurts. I mean, yeah. It, like it's it hurts, right? Fun. It's like when you have too much chlorine in your nose from the pool or something and it just kind of stings. So I had my face mask on and I was in public and I just finished a soda and I burped and the poor burp had nowhere to go and it burned my nose like so bad today. See, and now, <laughs> now we're talking now, there's one of those safety features. We're waiting for some kind of pressure relief valve or something. <laughs> I was like, it, it didn't burn so bad. And I started giggling and almost crying and everybody's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I had a soda burp and it had nowhere to go and my nose is on fire. <laughs> And I have to laugh at myself. I kind of laugh at myself during those moments because I'm like, what are you going to do? Yep. But it was very inappropriate where Clearly I was. Clearly <laughs> relevant to your true wealth. That's all it's, I have to say. We've you now- know, those are, it made my husband laugh. That was important. <laughs> he was just is. like, and I married her. <laughs> and that one, yep, she's with me. <laughs> she is with me. I chose that one. <laughs> so anyway, what's going on in the world? Right. Uh, there's there's a number of things we we have so many directions that we could go today. Uh, first off, I get to make a special announcement. Another one. Well, last time it wasn't actually time to make the announcement. Okay. So what special announcement are you making? Our team is bigger. Our team is bigger. Well, it is, but it isn't. No, it is. Oh. See, we went from having two teams. That were com- like, it was like an oligopoly, right? Two teams that were doing the same mission, but operating as two different teams. We're officially married now, right? We're, this yep. is this is, this is the co, um, co-families, like the parents dating versus like when they get married and now you're a blended family. That's like, the we're, one, right? We're a blended family now. So we have another branch up in the Salem area that's been a branch of Little John Financial now for a almost, few years. Yeah, a couple years mm-hmm. here, and we can officially say we're we're no longer running parallel businesses under different brands, but the same uh, corporate back office. It is now the same brand. We have a corporate back office. We do. Oh. <laughs> so, hooray for growth! It's very exciting times, and so now we've got. Uh, we're we're distributing, uh, uh, you know, in the region. Uh, you know, you can say that when you have to get in your car and you can't just drive across town to the office. Okay, so I know regional presence. So we're, uh, and this one is truly a th- a thank you moment. Uh, I know we've got some clients out there listening right now. Not all of you are clients, and that's okay. And not all of you will ever be clients. That is. Okay, too. That's kind of okay. Uh, it's No, that's okay, too. In fact, we talk about this a lot, that when it comes to your financial future, look, I just want you to pay attention to it, okay? If you're of the person that will go out there and do it yourself, I would say if you if you change your own oil and you make sure the lawn stayed mowed and you're like that person that's you know pretty organized and balances things in such a way that you get it done, good, do it, okay? If you are somebody that needs to outsource certain parts of your life because it's just more than you want to take on or it's not where your interests and passion lies, good, do that. By the way, it may not be where your skill set lies. Yes. Right? Just because the tools are available does not mean it's in your skill set to do so. Right. But, you know, we we talk about, so we're, we're still 
we still have bandwidth. We're still taking on new customers right now. I like and to refer so, to them as clients because customer feels like a one-time transaction. Yeah, I mean, we really, I would say, we're still bringing relationships into the firm. Oh, I like that word. Okay, and that's really how we view it. It's, uh, and I could tell you right now, if it was, if I was about describing the business model, look, we need to work with our clients for a while most of the time because we get paid a little bit, but we get we we stretch it out over a long time, and it adds up to be a lifetime worth of value. Uh, I mean, we, we we basically get paid over a lifetime with our customers. That's right. how it that's how it becomes valuable, which is why the relationship's so important to us. It's why we focus on it again and again and again because we're not transaction oriented. No, we, we're not, and we don't get paid on a yeah, transaction. We're not compensated for transactions. No. It doesn't work that way. So it's no. not a tr- a brokerage transmission. There's no commission associated with what we're doing, the way we operate. Right. Okay. Not, not when it comes to investing and so forth. So that doesn't mean that that is an evil practice or anything else. It just means that that's not how our firm operates. So when we say get help, okay, then it, find people you're comfortable with. Find the right fit and the personality and the service level that, that can provide what you're looking for. Right. And so, uh, and there are there are many many fantastic pr- practitioners uh, even in our own community. I mean, there are folks that, you know, would we call them competitors? Sure, on paper. But I have some fantastic advisors that I have relationships with uh, on a personal level, and we serve on community boards together and so forth. They're great. And, uh, you know, I hope I'm never going head-to-head competing with them because, you know, I have nothing bad to say about them. They're, they practice different in different environments, but they're great. So find what works for you. Well, And, and if not- you're searching, I mean, we're, give us a call. If you're searching, you can, you can call and we'll help. But that's the the purpose of, and so much of this program is about the education side of it and helping folks understand why, how does it work, what are you doing? Well, we've also talked about competition. Competition is healthy for the marketplace. Yes, it is. Like, competition is always good. We've talked about oligopolies. We've talked about monopolies, like, in many different industries, right? And so our industry is the same way. You want the competition. You don't want there to be one mega firm and that's it. Like, you want to keep... Everybody kind of on their toes and make sure that everybody's doing the right thing and that you do through competition in the workplace. Yeah. In fact, I would say competition is ultimately, there's two things that have benefited the consumer, although uh, these are also both double-edged swords. Okay. Okay. The two things are regulations. Right. Have been beneficial to consumers, but it's a double-edged sword because lots of regulation also increases cost and complexity and it narrows the set of options available. True. Right, it it can protect. It doesn't always, right? True. So good regulation is one thing. Regulation for the sake of is not. Okay, I mean like you don't regulate things just because. And you can't regulate away stupidity. No, you really can't fix <laughs> stupid. And and, and you it's can really, try. It's really hard Still to regulate work. away unethical. True. Right. You know, you it's hard. Regulations do do a better job of checks and balances to make it harder for bad actors to succeed in their craft, but not impossible. Right. Okay, and some people are just are just bad people. I don't know. Uh, I heard that I saw it was hilarious. It's the shopping cart test. You can pretty well tell if somebody is a good person or not by how they handle a shopping cart. What does that mean? Oh yeah, no, this is so fun that it, it'll change the way you view shopping carts, or at least it did for me. What? So the person that goes grocery shopping and afterwards just takes their cart, and when you're done unloading it, do you take it back to the cart corral or back to where it came from? Um, depends I'm, on how far apart I'm parked. Well, or do you just leave it in the parking lot and leave? If I'm far enough 
No. I always take it to the corral, and if I'm close enough to the front door, I take it back up to the front door right. where okay. I got it. So you win the Good Citizen Award. Okay. Right? Because you're just doing what's right. There's no penalty if you just abandon your grocery cart. And I will take it one step further. If I see somebody going into the store and I've just finished unloading my cart, I will offer my cart to that person. Yeah. So. So if you think about that as this is capable, are you capable of self-governance or not? Okay, yes. when you see litter on the ground, do you pick it up just because it's there? Or yes, the and I do it in other it? people's shopping centers too because it drives me bananas because I feel bad because I think, oh, somebody else has to then bug somebody to go pick up that piece of litter. Agreed. And so it drives me crazy. Those are elements that it's just, it's part of who you are. Okay. The better, if, the greater good. I'm here yeah. to help support the greater good. Yeah. If if you're the person contributing to the litter, if you're the person that says, eh, somebody else will deal with the shopping cart, I don't have to. Okay. That is part of what makes the social structure problematic. Uh, this is here's the idea about America: like you get freedom, including the freedom to be a pain in the rear. Right? I mean, and and unfortunately, that's I, I believe that's how it needs to work. Although okay? I think we need to have freedom, even if you're going to misuse it. Right. Okay, but don't misuse it because you're a good citizen. True. Right? And and so it means just because you have the freedom to do it, should you exercise it? We talk about could and should a lot, right? Could and should. Can't, yep, that's yeah, it. Yeah, could, could and should. I, we'll talk more about could and should because you know what? It's all over the place in the, in the investment markets. But as our engineers have successfully nailed, we got to take a break. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You're listening to The True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Oh, woulda, shoulda, coulda, Katie. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. I try not to live in that space. Well, but could and should. Could, we talk about, you talk about this all the time. I talk is, about could and you know, should all I the time. I could just go <laughs> grab a soda no. or something and hang out. You could carry no. the whole segment on no. the, the should and could. I, right? That's like your thing. I don't, I don't even know why it became my thing, but I just felt myself having these conversations a lot, even with our clients, like they'd call in to get something and they're like, can I do this? And I'm like, well, you can, but should you? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, hold that thought. You need to go talk to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hold okay. on. <laughs> so <laughs> here's now the, the can and should. And oh, I better be careful. So I will not throw you under the bus for this one. Here's the good news. Remember, everybody likes to encourage Katie because. Oh, I haven't gotten my license yet. I need to get it. And it's okay. I'll throw myself under the bus. How about that? Yeah. Can, where's the buses? I said, I, yeah, you said that earlier, and I'm like, can we not step in front of buses? That would be awesome. Has it? I don't want to go there. Anyways, no, I need to get my license. I know I do. So, and, anyways. And here's the reason why, as we're listening, people, you ever wonder why I do so much disclosure on the air when I say, no, I'm not giving advice about this, that, or the other, or this um, is not you're personal. Trying not to get sued. Yeah, because lawyers. <laughs> And regulators. Yeah. And also because as a professional financial advisor in the practice of giving an investment advice, if I go out and make a blanket statement like go buy XYZ, blah, 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 then that's I am, financial advice I'm and you're liable. Advice, and if, if that goes poorly South. for you, then you know people may try to blame me for it. So I'm constantly saying, listen, I talk about the way the system works, the way that you should approach problem solving, the way you should seek understanding and when you should go find somebody to vet something further. We talk concepts and ideas, but we don't get down to specificity on, on the purpose. show for that reason. Yeah. 
And what happens, Katie, in your world is you know a lot about financial advice because you've been doing this for six years now and you just absorb it. Yeah, because right? I've been it around all you the long time. enough. Yeah, and but I can't legally give it. Yeah, so, so when I don't. you're not licensed, <laughs> and, and this is one of those things where you know you say, well, like, I can't tell you to do this thing, wink, right? <laughs> no, so I don't, don't even do, do that. I know you it's, don't. I don't because I have to, I always also, right? Rule number one is in our office, don't do or say anything that's going to get you yeah, sued. Don't say anything that gets you sued. <laughs> so, we have four rules to live by in our office. They're, they're but fabulous. that is a very good rule, right? And and by the way, that translates, I think, through most industries. Like, don't do anything dumb that's going to hurt the company. Don't do anything yeah. that's going to get you sued. Um, and the reason we bring that up is because of regulation. So a lot of times when people call and ask questions because, um, you know, myself or Heather are the first point of contact, they go, oh, well, can we do this? And sometimes I'm like, well, these are the options. But to get the answer that is the right advice for you, you need to talk to the advisor to give you advice. I cannot give you advice. Right. Uh, an example might be somebody coming in going, hey, can I contribute to my Roth IRA? Yeah. And you can say, yeah. Okay. Now, should I contribute to my Roth IRA? Mm, that's a financial decision. Yeah. And the answer is it depends on the circumstances and what you're dealing with. Right. right. Uh, because Roth IRAs have contribution limits, for one. They also have uh, tax deduction uh, limits. Well, they have income thresholds. Right. And it changes depending on whether or not you're married as to whether or not you're eligible right. for a Roth IRA. And it also matters whether or not you have other investments in some cases. Maybe not for the Roth per se, but, uh, you know, should I do an IRA, a traditional IRA? Maybe. Maybe. Depends on, are you doing a company retirement plan as well? What's your income level? Are you married? What's your spouse's income? Do they have a retirement plan? Uh, is it deductible or not? You know, there are all these other layers of complexity to that question. And right. so your circumstance is going to inform the advice. Right. So can, can you do something? You usually like, you know, yeah. that's, that's a simple question. Well, sort of well like, here can are your I legal- commit a crime? Uh, you yeah, you can. can should you? <laughs> right, right, like, bad idea. But you know, yeah. you can't. Can I jump off that bridge? I guess you can. It's a terrible idea. Uh, it's it sounds semantic, and but it's yet, not. And yet, many people come in with a preconceived idea of what they want to accomplish, and somewhere they were told something. Uh, this we could do a whole show on things that people were told that are just nowhere close to right and it's just these wild public misconceptions like uh, a favorite of mine is oh well if you have a trust you don't pay taxes right like rich people just have trusts and they just set up all these trust funds so that they don't have to pay taxes um no that's totally not true right to- well- like rich people still pay big boatloads of taxes we could get into do they structure it so that on a percentage basis they're paying less of a percentage of their net worth in taxes than a typical person that's just paying income taxes? Maybe. Maybe. Right? I mean, that that's possible because there's lots of ways to navigate the tax structure. But don't think for a second that uh, anybody listening to this program right now, there's really good odds that you're paying nowhere near as much tax as Warren Buffett. Even if Warren Buffett, well, you know, he's paying, you know, as a dollar figure. 8% tax. And you're like, yeah, 8% tax on, you know, Ninety billion dollars. You're like, it's a lot. It's a big. You know, check. it's more money than you'll see in your lifetime. <laughs> right. And, and he's doing it every year in taxes. Uh, and he's saying, and I should pay more, right? Well, Warren Buffett has more money than he can spend, right? At least on personal stuff. Right. You know, when you get into the, if you have ninety billion dollars, what are you going to do? Buy a country? 
Maybe. I, I mean, but I don't know how you do that. But then you got to run it, and then you know there's that whole thing. That's and the it's thing just... is, it's just it just adds layers and layers. So what do you what do you end up hap- what ends up happening is these ultra wealthy people wealth becomes a sport, and navigating the system becomes part of how you play the game. Right, but they don't do normal W two income, they so it's taxed differently. Or if they do, it's pretty small, right? Right. And it's it's not consequential to what they're doing. And I'm pretty sure Warren Buffett doesn't care if he's collecting social security. He probably is. Ironically enough, he probably still gets it legally, and, and he probably still laughs at it legally. And he's like, <laughs> he probably doesn't even know what it is. It probably just goes somewhere in accountants wave a wand, and it gets handled. And he's busy dealing with much bigger picture items than that. Yeah, gets it gets uh, contributed to his donation fund. <laughs> Nevertheless, could and, and should, should are not right. the same thing. Do you ever find yourself telling your kids that? They're yeah. like, "Can I go do this?" And I'm like, "You can." I'm like, "I don't know. Can you?" Yeah, but do you really want to? Because should you? Yes, and, and that's, I know that here's another one of these things where, as a parent, are we beginning, you know, really obnoxious about the, the term colloquialism? Like, I get what you meant, you know, can still is the same as may, blah, blah, you know. Or are we really being sticklers for accuracy for some other reason? And the answer is, it depends. <laughs> well, how else are they going to learn, David? How else are they going to learn? I know. So let's see. What are some other fun could versus should? Could right? versus should? Or, you know, can versus should, right? You say you can, but should you? You know, we we deal with these. I guess they're so often. I have a weird one that okay. came up. So can I take money out of my 401k to buy property? Yes. Should I take money out of my 401k to buy property? Rarely. Mm, see, couldn't should. Can you legally do it versus should you do it? Yeah. Are not always the same answer. Yeah. Um, can I take a 401k loan? You can. Maybe. Should, maybe. Right. If, if the 401k allows it. Not right. all 401k it, it, allows your, them. Your plan document has to allow it. Should I? Mm, not usually. Again, maybe, but it's uh, it's kind of unusual circumstances. There are sometimes uh, unusual planning scenarios where you can utilize that as a tool. It's funky. And I generally do not like borrowing against a retirement plan. Right. Here's a fun one that throws people off. Um, can I buy physical property in my retirement plan? Well... A, it depends on what type of retirement plan you have, because there are different ones. But B, maybe. Yeah. Typically in a 401k plan, if you're not the plan sponsor, meaning you're not the boss and you're not designing the plan specifically, the answer is no, typically. If you have a boss that's already doing it, then the answer is maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Can you in an IRA? Oh, I don't know that one. Yes, you can. You can buy a property in an IRA? You can. Um, IRAs have very few limitations on what you can legally buy. Uh, it's things like collectibles. But it's tricky because people, like you can't have sweat equity in so, the property and yeah, stuff too. There's some valuations and different things that you have to do in order to have property in your. So, yeah, and you're, you're slightly ahead here because I'll, I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Cause, okay. Because this it all fits together. And then you, you, if you're listening to this right now, you're going, well, can I buy uh you know, real estate in my IRA? The answer is yes, but there's some gotchas, okay? First of all, in order to do it, you have to have 
an account that's willing to hold that asset and hold title to the asset. Which sometimes is hard enough to yeah. find. A lot of custodians, which Don't is the person that. that, you know, not a person, but the organization that's responsible for holding and tracking what's inside of your IRA and reporting it to the IRS, they don't want to do it. Okay, so a lot of custodians will disallow that asset. Um, what else is disallowed in IRAs? Hmm. I don't know. Collectibles. They're disallowed? You cannot have collectibles. I can't, you can't put art. You can't go buy the Mona Lisa with your IRA. Oh, I thought you could. Nope. No collectibles. Guns? No life insurance. Cars? Potentially all of those, yes. Guns and cars could potentially be assets that you could have. But you can't have art. Collectibles. And so art's deemed a collectible. But also, a car is not? collectible coins. Oh. Right? So those are things. So a car... So how do they have like the gold and silver IRAs and all that other stuff? That's, well, that's not considered different. a collectible? It's not a collectible. That's a commodity when you're buying the gold or the silver. And in some cases, you can buy uh, a specific minted coin that they will s declare has a value associated with it. But but generally speaking, these are things that are prohibited in retirement plans or in an IRA specifically. Okay. But the real estate's allowed if you can get a custodian to hold it. What are some of the gotchas? Well, I kind of mentioned one. Like you can't have sweat equity to fix the property up, well, right? You, no, you can. But... Big gotchas there. See, if you have sweat equity, you have to value your time fairly because there's contribution limits to IRAs. And so if you put in more sweat equity <laughs> than you're, you're allowed, allowed to, to contribute, contribute. <laughs> that's the gotcha. So so your time can't be worth more than 6500 a year? <laughs> Correct. Or if you're over 50, you get a bonus $1,000, right? But yeah, that's the issue is that you can't contribute more than, and, and you have to do a fair market value of your time, which means, you know, it's got to be at least minimum wage. And so if you're going to go, well, I'm going to put 300 hours into this thing. And you go, well, you know, if you're 20 bucks an hour, can you do that? Yeah, barely. Barely. And so that's the issue is how much time can you get into the thing? And you also have to document that you're doing it and it needs to be really clean and well, how about this? Can you go buy your house? No. Why? Because it's a not an invest. Well, is it? No. no it's self-dealing. You can't personally benefit from the assets. Like you can't go get a rental house and rent it to your kid. Ah, there's right? a gotcha. There's there's a whole bunch of things that are called prohibited transactions. Uh, we're not going to get into all of them, and it's not going to be extensive on this program. But prohibited transactions are the things that if you do them and the IRS figures it out, then they will consider your entire IRA distributed in the year that that prohibited transaction occurs. Oh, that could hurt. It can hurt. So all of a sudden, all that money that was tax deferred becomes income in the year that it occurs. Boom. Ah. So yeah, let's say you got an apartment building in your IRA. It's a $2 million apartment building, and you accidentally have a prohibited transaction. All of a sudden, you have a $2 million distribution. That means you're paying taxes on $2 million. Yowzers. Yeah, I and don't want to do you, that. And if you haven't liquidated that Asset, apartment complex, you may have. The, yeah, to. where's the money coming from? You may have so, to, it, not intentionally. Yeah. So I'm not saying I'm trying to scare people away from the idea. What I'm saying is, you better walk in with your eyes and the ears open and paying attention because it's perfectly legitimate to do the right way. And then there's the other ways, which you could get in a lot of trouble for. Can, can you? <coughs> pardon. Can you do it with a loan? I didn't think you could. You can. 
but there's weird weird things and, and good luck getting one now because you need to have uh, loans that are non-recourse so you can't personally guarantee a loan so now how are you going to get a bank to loan you money, money. on a property that you're not going to back so it, it, there's all these weird again idiosyncrasies of the the deal what would be the advantage of having a rental in an ira versus just owning it personally uh, if you have growth and income in the property, you can defer the taxes. Okay. So it works just like any other asset. I mean, if you had a stock that was paying dividends and you didn't want to pay tax on the dividends, you could have it in a retirement account. And so all of the rental income and stuff minus yeah. expenses would be put into the yeah account as yeah. a dividend? Yep. Huh. See, things I didn't know. I know. So it's kind of cool. So anyway, that's... Uh, again, but th those are the the woulds, shoulds, coulds. Are you allowed to? Yes. Do you have to be careful? Absolutely. Uh, all these different ways to navigate it. I'm I'm a fan of saying when it comes to financial planning, you know, if you're willing to be creative, there's a lot of things that you can accomplish. Um, what I'm not willing to do is break the law. Right. Right. You know, I will we'll figure out where the lines are and stay within them. And we can sometimes the lines don't cover everything. Right. You know, it's oh, that's gravel road over there. Yeah, we can take that. It's, it's not well traveled, but that means it's not an option. <laughs> I like that. That's a that's a good one there. Yeah. So anyway, well, look, we're running a little long on segment here. So let's do this. We'll grab a break. Okay. Uh, uh, when we come back, uh, Katie's going to invent more topics to talk about, right? <laughs> sure. That's a heck of a teaser. You know, we, we'll figure it out. It's worth it. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Dave Little John in studio with me is most usually. of the time. Can yeah. you check? Yep. Which is more funner. Aw, I like the word funner. Yes. So as we were talking about correcting your children on language. Exactly. <laughs> look, I'm gonna take a hard pivot here. As I got to thinking about what we've been talking about, look, we've talked about the wouldas and the shouldas and the couldas. We we kind of flirted with some of the things that you can get away with and things that people don't understand when it comes to uh, just being creative, but I think I want to take that creative concept and explore this for a moment. And I'm going to ask you a tricky question here that I think we should explore. And I think our listeners can benefit from this. Ooh, okay. And that is, in light of the changes that we're seeing in the way that we operate, and some of these changes, we don't have any idea when they're going to change back, back or, right or if so, they are or resume right. or whatever we're, we're talking about in 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 the midst of uh the, the pandemic environment okay um and, and you know i'm careful about it. just that word is scary right you say pandemic and it just sounds really terrifying but you know we have a, a rapidly propagating virus and we're still learning on the fly in the modern 2020s <laughs> nevertheless we have really altered the behaviors of people in our economy, right? Mask, no mask, where do you wear the mask? Uh, areas that are shut down, businesses that can't operate, businesses that can't. Um, how is that gonna affect the system? Is there gonna be more stimulus from the government? There's all these things going on. And so we at Little John Financial have really had to alter and adapt the way we interact with clients. Right. I think we were really well prepared for it and I'm not saying that because that's not to brag. It's to say we were we we're fortunate because this was always by design. We were moving that direction anyway. It just the pandemic kind of forced us to do more of it. Yeah, I think would be our answer to that. It's like not like we ever didn't have those tools. We always had them. It's just we are utilizing them more now. Yeah. And so 
what what's changed, I guess. And so you're, we were vague about what tools and so forth, but I'm going to talk specifically about the ability to function in an environment where you don't get to meet face-to-face as often. So True. what is now different? So Katie, when you think about how we're interacting with our clients and our customer base, what, is, what looks different? Um, Zoom calls look different, right? Like, I mean, we've always had Zoom, but I think having more of those, like having more virtual interactions with clients, um, I still really appreciate the actual phone calls, like spending Mm -hmm. time on the phone, talking to our clients, just hearing what they're up to these days. Um, Because I think sometimes when we live more in a virtual world, we feel a little bit more disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. So um, I still really value a true just phone call. Um, and it, it's interesting, too, because some of it is a little bit generational on who wants to video chat versus who wants to just talk mm-hmm. um, and utilize different technology. Some of it's just who they are with technology. Right. Some people just they want. I always joke around about having a dumb phone. Right. Like not a smart cell phone, but like an old one, like a flip phone that we mm-hmm. used to have when we first had cell phones. Um so we're trying to communicate with our clients in manners that they're comfortable with. Right. Now that's, uh, there's no no about it. That is a big part of what's going on. And my observation has been similar that it's this adaptation of how we function that it's, I don't know about you, I still crave the personal contact, but now we have, we're just inventing new ways to do it. Right. Uh, as an example with Zoom, uh, and this is any video conferencing, right? It used to be novel, right? I mean, FaceTime was kind of fun. Oh, you get the family together, and it's kind of cool. You can do this if you're remote. And now it's essential. And it's funny how that has shifted the attitude around it. I remember when ACN came out, like in the early 2000s. Do you remember that? No. Were you ever part of that whole thing where they were like, oh, there's like a video phone you could have in your house, and you could actually like see your family and it was like, what? You want to do this video phone thing? And now everybody's doing chat over their iPhones and, you know, there's messengers for your kids. And so, and it's interesting to me to see how quickly the kids have adapted to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like Zoom classrooms were not really a thing for them a year ago. And now it's like, oh, I'm going to take a Zoom art class. I'm going to take a Zoom dance class. And how that's become somehow mainstream in our culture within a matter of months. Well, it's, it's certainly been broadly adopted. And I mean, I have interesting observations around Zoom. I think that the too many people and it, it's the same problem you have in anything else, uh, but it's exaggerated more quickly. You get more than about five or six people on a Zoom call and you can start to become anonymous fast. Right. It's true. Right. Uh, the other is if you join a Zoom call and you don't turn your video on, you may as well not be there. Even if you're listening... Uh, everybody else has no idea what's going on, and we all know what you're doing. You're multitasking, and you don't want to be caught doing that. <laughs> we all know that's what you're doing. Okay, but it's it is interesting. I mean, we've we've used the technology and have for a while, but you know, one on one is very different to me in a video conference than when you get into group video chats. I feel like it's the difference between having an honest conversation over the phone and texting, right? Like I, you know, like you said, the anonymity behind it or posting. You know, something like a something on Facebook, right? It's like not actually talking to the person directly, but like commenting on Facebook or something. Like there, there is a weird amount of truth or something like a gut check that comes with these different layers of technology. And I think there's something to do with the size of your monitor and what you see. 
right? The more people you cram into a room, then the smaller the picture gets until it's just little thumbnails of everybody. And it you literally behave different. Your, your response is different when you don't have the visual input to see as much of the body language and the posture and the facial expressions. So I, I find that there's a difference. I mean, here in the studio with you, Katie, I can see body language that includes posture right. and, and very subtle nuance and things that is part of nonverbal communication. And that is missed on in, video. in video sometimes. And what's fascinating is we've already culturally kind of accepted phone calls different, right? A phone call, you don't expect the same input. So you're paying attention to voice and uh, and it's pretty easy to tell when somebody's distracted on the phone too. It's you true. Know, you can't, you know, you don't hold two or three conversations at once. And when so, your kid's hanging on, you're like, uh, am I still here? Right. Right. Well, the one that, uh, you know, for people that have been working from home and I've been working from home, um, there's little things that I had to pay attention to. Right. So I don't know if you noticed this morning, we did it. We recorded. You changed the anger of the camera so that well, you didn't have the background. Well, I changed where I was sitting. Right. Because so I wanted. was behind you. Yes. And I thought, okay, where is the best place in my house to sit to give the professional appearance kind of that I wanted, right? And because you can also add a background. I don't know how to do that, and I haven't tried to mess around with that yet, but yeah. I figured that was not appropriate today on the call itself. But the thing, little things that worry me, you know, like you start working from home. I have two children. I have three dogs. Dogs bark when people go by. Children come in. Um, <clears throat> those are part of reality. I don't have a home office that I can – retreat into necessarily um so it 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 changes the dynamic of what people are seeing on those video calls too as well well it's going to change an hr dynamic long term i believe oh yeah because if you want to work from home uh and you you have to have a professional interaction environment it'll be interesting even from the irs perspective uh, okay, so people start having home offices. Are people going to start claiming a home office deduction? What are you putting in the home office? How do you sound control and crowd control said office? Because, uh, as you know, right, well I mean, aware. You, you can work from a kitchen table, sort of. Right. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not working from my kitchen table. I've, I actually, metaphorically, metaphorically. No, yeah, but I mean, I did actually set up a desk and everything. But, and originally the location of it was because of homeschooling and because of COVID and everything else. And it's just kind of remained there. But yeah, I, I am not fortunate enough to have a dedicated office space room in my house. So it is a little bit more out in the open. But um, but at the same time, I really enjoy it. Like it's it's interesting being able to look out my window and see my vegetable garden growing and like the views and things are different, too. Right. Uh, so anyway, I I still. That's true about be... the office deductions. I didn't even think about that for the IRS. There's going to be a lot of interesting tax laws written this year because there's been so many things turned upside down. There already have. And as a reminder, you're at the 11th hour to solve your tax challenge here. It is uh, July 7th, and I don't know if you paid attention or not, but the tax deadline is July 15th. Right. So there is something interesting that I think we should all be paying attention to uh, uh, as far as the IRS is concerned, uh, and it's not just the 15th. You know what it is? What? The thing I'll talk about after the, last the next break. break. Ah. You want to know this one? You do care about this. If you're curious, hey, where's this market going? You might want to stick around for this last segment. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang. Dave Littlejohn and Katie Shook. 
you're listening to True Wealth today, and we got this home stretch, and I left you with this great cliffhanger. About and, the IRS? Yeah, but if you're wondering oh. what it was, you should check out the podcast, right? You can <laughs> go check it out. It'll be posted tomorrow on our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. And it will be under the educate section. I right? love how your voice just gets deeper and deeper as you continue to talk. It's like, and we're going to go down in scale. <laughs> and we're also going to take a nap. Right? Uh, so, look, this is what I think. Come folks on, seventh inning stretch, to. IRS. What's so the deal? The IRS, there's two big things as investors I want everybody to pay attention to. First of all, we're about to come into earnings season. Right. If you don't know what earnings season is, this is when the majority of uh, companies report their earnings for the quarter. And so this is going to begin to happen next week. It goes on for about four weeks, and the majority of companies will report over the next three to four weeks. And so we want to watch the earnings trend and specifically guidance. Right In the last quarter when COVID hit, uh, we essentially threw our hands in the air and said, oh, Right, that's a technical term. Uh, <laughs> oh, and so since we didn't know, that? everybody got up. It's all vowels. It's uh, <laughs> with one in. So the we we gave everybody a pass. We're like, well, since we can't figure it out, and there's no way to provide guidance because nobody has any idea, we'll just push it out till later. Well, but now that we've been doing this for a few months, we've been months. pushing it out, and now we're expecting some real guidance. And many CEOs have said, "Boy, it'd be great if we could go to annual guidance instead of quarterly." To which I will respond, "Yeah, mm, right. No, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, no. right. The system is built around immediate instant gratification for data, so that's not changing even if they want it to." And with companies that say, "Well, we're not going to issue guidance," they're going to get their own bumpy. Well, you if you know, don't say trail. anything, then people are just going to imply stuff. So it doesn't Correct. matter. It's like you Correct. can not say something. but So I'll be interested to see how the guidance goes from the various companies and how their earnings reports So this shake is going to shake out a lot of winners and losers. I suspect that it will start to give us a sense of where the puck is really going. Okay. Then the next date is going to be out into October, where a lot of the corporate extensions are still going to be due for corporate taxes. So when you extend your taxes then into October 15, I believe, you'll see some of these deadlines. And I want to see how financial institutions do things like banks and credit unions and those that are were required to allow loan forbearance, payments that weren't made, and whether or not those payments that have been forbeared will ultimately start getting paid or not. True. Because that's where the cascade starts to hit the banking system. And therein lies the challenge, right? Because the next thing is, does the IRS get paid? And then we have to say, well, how much stimulus? How much money printing can we get away with before the rest of the world says, wait a second? Now, I don't have the answers to these, just so you know. I'm telling you that We're these are the things that on the next quarter, eye. as tactical investors, what we do for our clients is we try to look at where the puck is going. We are not interested in just setting and forgetting our investment strategies. We're interested in adapting to what we see coming. That doesn't necessarily mean radical changes, but altering things. Yeah, that's what that's part of what we do as tactical investors. It's part of our value proposition to our clients. It's part of active risk management. So I see those things, and I think it's worth paying attention to. Uh, if you are interested in seeing how your investments may stress test for various scenarios and so forth, you're welcome to give us a call. We have a lot of cool technology where we can 
take a look at what you're doing. We can run it through some of our testing tools and we can show you uh, sort of how we might reposition things or at least give you a sense of how you're exposed to different types of risks and what you might do or not do. Or you could just hold your breath and hope you ride through it fine too. Yeah. The Good ostrich call. the ostrich method works for yeah. some people. Well, I mean, no decision <laughs> is still a decision, right? It's true. So anyway, if you want to give us a call, how do they reach us? 541-375-0898. Right. The other is you can just get on the mailing list or you can get on the YouTube channel if you want to continue to get other information besides the radio show. Uh, we are going to start re, uh, reinstituting the investment school, right? So the stuff about money they don't teach in school, we're going to be doing weekly videos just explaining. So if you've got burning financial questions, send them to us at info at, at littlejohnfs.com. Right. And so that's just the, the primary email. And uh, we will throw those in the queue as a, sort of a voting mechanism to make sure we get those questions answered for you. Uh, otherwise, I don't know, give us a call. We'll help. Right. And they reach us by calling 541-375-0898. Okay. That's it. Well, we hear the music, Katie. So you know what time that is. Time to say goodbye. I know. Well, look, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, lots of ways to reach us. Check out the podcast tomorrow, littlejohnfs.com, or give us a call. We'd be delighted to help. Until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. KQEN.